Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Grab your copy of God's Word and go with me to Matthew chapter 6. So once upon a time, there was a king who ordered a three-day fast throughout his kingdom. Anyone caught eating was to be struck with a rod. Anyone caught assisting another in breaking the fast would be shackled to a ball and a chain. Well, after two days, one nobleman, he was a count, he decided that he just couldn't hold out. I mean, three days? Come on, without eating? So he ordered three servants to prepare a meal for him and his wife. But word got out. Word leaked out back to the royal palace that the count and the countess were breaking the fast. The king and queen were furious. How dare they defy my orders? They rushed to the count's house. They burst in just as dessert was being served. And the king growled in a sarcastic voice, Is the count full? And the queen, who was right there with him, angry, pointed to all five offenders and ordered their punishment. Yes. That's three balls and two strikes. Ba-doom-boom. I guess you got to be a baseball fan to get that one. All right. For those, when you have to explain a joke, what much of a joke? All right. That's a dad joke, right? That's a dad joke. Uh, since dads are the kings of puns, okay? But the best, the best dad jokes, they don't really make you laugh. They make you smile a little bit and, and groan. Ah, you know. So anyway, but but as you think about it, in baseball. What is a full count? Three balls, two strikes. That's that. So that's the boom, boom, ching. But you know what? That joke has a grain of truth in it. Now they got it. All right. That joke has a grain of truth in it, though, right? Many people find fasting to be really hard. Or they, they might find it hard if they really tried it. All right? Actually, they might find it easy if they really tried it. You know what's interesting? As I prepared for this message, I have searched the Internet high and low. I have Googled. I have searched. I, I almost Yahooed. I don't even know if that's a, a thing anymore. I almost pulled up a different search engine. I could find no stats whatsoever on Christians and fasting. I could find stats on all sorts of other spiritual disciplines. I could find stats on Christian giving. I could find stats on Christians praying. I could find stats on Christians going on mission trips. I could find stats on Christians sharing the gospel. I could, I could share stats. I could find stats on, on all sorts of different things. How often Christians pray and all this other stuff. But I could find nothing. Zero. That talked about how often Christians fast. You know, it's just not on the average evangelical Christian's radar. And when I say evangelical, that's a, that's, that's a theological term, right? Evangelical, we kind of differentiate between mainline Protestantism, all right? All right, in other words, evangelicalism basically says we believe the Bible, we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, 
We believe in, you know, it's sort of like the, the, the five solos of the Reformation that we talked about back in October. Remember that? That basically defines evangelicalism, right? The Bible is the Word of God, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, all right? Those people, those Christians who believe that, all right, it's just not on evangelical radars for so much of Christendom. But let me ask you, don't raise your hand. Just think in your mind, if you are a Christian, when was the last time you fasted for spiritual reasons? Perhaps you fasted for health reasons. Right, that's the new trend. You, you want to you clean out your gut. You want to you get better enzymes in there. You want to you know, you have cleanse and all this stuff, okay? Uh, it, it, it's actually become fashionable to fast. It's the hippest new trend. Um, the New York Times recently reported that fasting, uh, that, 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 that so many people, wealthy people, are paying thousands of dollars to go to a resort. And you know what they do at that resort? They pay thousands of dollars to not eat, okay? They do all this other stuff, all this cleansing, all this other stuff, and, and, but there's no food, right? It, it's a fasting resort. Now, when Christy and I went on a resort on our honeymoon, there was a lot of eating, right? I mean, they had all you could eat. It was all-inclusive, buffet for breakfast, buffet for lunch, buffet for dinner. If I'm going to a resort, <laughs> I want to eat, okay? But it's a trend, right? It, it, it's fashionable. Eating at chic restaurants or chick restaurants or whatever, chic restaurants is out. It's out. Not eating is in, okay? It's cool, to not eat, all right? So maybe you have fasted for health reasons, or maybe you've fasted for, for popularity reasons. It's also very likely that you have fasted for medical reasons, okay? Maybe you're a diabetic, and you needed to fast, or, or, or maybe you have an upcoming scope, or, or you have a surgery, and the doctor told you no food or drink after midnight, and you can't have anything to eat or drink until the procedure of the surgery is done, okay? So you may have fasted for medical reasons, but when was the last time you fasted for spiritual purposes? Right? It's just not common amongst evangelicals in general and Baptists in particular, okay? I mean, we're known for the potlucks. We're not known for the fasting, right? But it's listed right here. Right here in our text, in the same breath as giving, and praying. So let's, let's approach it this way. Should you give to the poor? Yes. yes. Okay, good, good. Should you pray? Yes. yes. Let's go with the last one then. Should you fast? Yes. So let's talk this out for a moment. All right, dialogue here. Why do you think then... That fasting is so minimally practiced amongst evangelical Christians, particularly Baptists. Why do you think that is? What's that? Okay, that's right. Maybe it could be. We are addicted to food, potentially. Yeah. We have so much of it. We're so used to eating. The more you eat, the more you need to eat. Yeah. Oh. Okay, yep. 
So, so one of the reasons maybe that we don't fast then is that maybe we don't have as much respect for the Lord then. Potentially. Well, if you've got a sacrifice, if you've got a show of some kind of sacrifice, what are you Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jeannie, you were going to say? I think it's not talked about a lot. Okay, it's not, yeah. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a, a, a famine in the pulpit, all right? Uh, and that's true. It's, it's, it's not talked about a lot. There's other religions that do fast. Uh-huh. Okay, so yeah, that's true. Maybe we associate, maybe we associate fasting maybe with Catholicism, Romanism. Okay, maybe that's the case. Um, but again, you know, Christians uh, are not the only ones that fast. You're right. I mean, uh, I, I saw a, a table that had all these different religions. You know, I mean, the Muslims fast, uh, Buddhists fast. Ramadan. Yeah, Ramadan's a huge part of, of the Muslim faith. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I think so. Yeah, they're they're about. Sun to sundown, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sure, yeah, so there are certainly positive reasons to do it. And maybe another reason that, that, that we don't see, fa that we see fasting minimally, minimally practices, we're just afraid of it, right? I mean, we, we, we don't want to feel hungry. Or maybe, you know, you have a medical condition and, and you feel like, you know what, if I fast, it may, it may hurt me. Uh, I may not be able to go. Again, I, Christy and I were talking about this today. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a nurse. She is, all right? I'm not a doctor or pretend to be one, a medical doctor at all, okay? But I don't know, maybe, I don't know of a, a condition that a person could not skip one meal. Maybe I'm wrong. Is there? Anybody know of one? Hypoglycemia? Okay. So you, 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 you can't skip any meals? Okay. Yeah, certainly be hard. I think that's a piece of it. You know, fasting doesn't have to be... I mean, you can still drink water. I mean, there's different flavors mm -hmm. of fast. That's right, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, we will. Yeah. Yes, Shannon from the nosebleeds over there. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there is. There is a lack of teaching. Okay, so... Guys, there, there are lots of excuses that we could give, and maybe there are some truly legitimate excuses, okay? But for the most part of Christendom, all right, we really don't have an excuse, okay? We really don't have an excuse. We're continuing our series tonight, Life Lessons from the Mountain. Currently, we're in a little series within our larger series, Walking Through the Sermon on the Mountain, where Jesus addresses three sets of people who are doing the right thing, all right? They are... Giving to the poor, they are praying to God, they are fasting from food, which are all good things, okay? But, but, they are doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. So the title of the message two weeks ago was, Without Fanfare or Forethought, all right? And we looked at, 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 at giving, right? We, 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 looked, we looked at doing the right thing in giving to the needy and doing it for the right reason, Okay? When we give to the needy, we should do it without fanfare or forethought. The title of last week's message, without witnesses or wordiness. In other words, when we pray, we should do it without witnesses or wordiness. The title of tonight's message is this, without gloom or grimace. Without gloom or grimace. And we turn to the topic tonight of fasting. So let's go to our Bibles, Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 Verses 16 through 18. Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. 
and um, appreciate um, Kevin. Kevin jumped in; he subbed in here, and so uh, and he'll he'll do his best to get it up uh, tonight. Um, Jerilyn and and um, Jesse couldn't be here tonight last night, and so appreciate that. And so he'll get it up here. But maybe if you'll have your if you brought your copy of God's Word to have it out as a handout verses. So Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Would somebody read that real loud for us tonight? And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, or they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this topic tonight, and I, I pray that it would be challenged to us. As we've said, maybe there is a famine in the pulpit teaching about this thing. And so, God, this is one of those reasons why I am so thankful to walk verse by verse through your word. Because if I didn't walk verse by verse through this word, I may not have chosen this passage. I may have skipped over it. I might have said, you know, this isn't relevant to us. But God, because it's in your word and because we're taking it verse by verse... I've got to deal with it. I've got, to, I've got to teach it to your people. And so tonight, Father, I pray that the, any famine in the pulpit would be remedied tonight, begin to be remedied. I pray that your people would be filled with knowledge, and I pray that your people would be challenged tonight to do what your word says to do regarding this spiritual discipline, this good spiritual discipline. If there's anyone here tonight, Father, who is without Christ, more than the food that they had today to eat. They need Jesus. And I pray, God, they would see that tonight and run to him and be saved. It's in his name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, so tonight's task is twofold, okay? We're going to answer two questions, basically. The first question is, what is fasting? And then second question is, how should we do it? What is fasting and how should we do it? So first, let's tackle that first one. What is Fasting. I just want to say up front, for much of my talk tonight, I'm going to lean on Dr. Donald Whitney. Uh, Dr. Donald Whitney uh, is, a, is the professor of biblical spirituality at uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. He is, uh, he, he's an amazing man of God, bright, loves the Lord. Um, in my opinion, and, and the opinion of many Christians, he, he's the leading expert in understanding spiritual disciplines. His book from 1991, written all the way back in 1991, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, is a must-have for every Christian library, okay? So again, tonight I'm leaning fairly heavily on his chapter on fasting from that book, okay? So how are we to define fasting? Here's how I would define fasting for us. It's this. Fasting is... A Christian's voluntary abstinence, uh, abstinence uh, from a normal function, primarily eating, to intentionally focus on God for spiritual purposes. Okay? Let me say that again. A Christian's voluntary abstinence from a normal function, primarily eating, to intentionally focus on God for spiritual purposes. We're going to break that down. Okay? Take that one bite by bite. First, Fasting, as we talk about in the Bible, is a Christian practice, okay? Now, non-Christians all over the world practice this. Like we just said, it's part of false religions all over the world. People who don't even know God or even claim to know a God, atheists, 
They fast, right? They do it for physical reasons. They feel better, lighter, all those things there. But fasting, as it's talked about in the Bible, is a Christian discipline. Fasting for a Christian is a good thing. Fasting for a non-Christian, though, gains nothing of eternal value. All right. Secondly, as we take a bite of that big definition, is that it's voluntary. All right. Fasting has to be voluntary if it's going to be any good for us. All right. We can't be forced. Wives, you can't force your husbands to do it, vice versa, okay? <laughs> um, you know, those who are in, you know, th- those who are starving around the world uh, are not fasting. You know, I, I think about, you know, um, recently started watching a series called uh, Hunting Hitler. You know, uh, some friends recommended that, the History Channel, that series there. And I, I, just as I was thinking about this topic of fasting, just, just, just pictures of, of, of men and women in concentration camps and you're seeing their bones and all that, they were, they were starving. Uh, those people, that's not fasting, okay? That, it, that was coerced, all right, hunger. That was starving somebody else, okay? So it's got to be voluntary. Third, as we take a bite, is that it's abstinence from a normal function of life, okay? A normal function of life, all right? Anything morally neutral, in other words, okay? But this normal thing, whatever it is, it's a normal thing that you normally do. It's, it's morally neutral that, you can, that you're finding is squeezing God out of your life, all right? So what are some of those things that, as we take this broader definition here of any normal function of life, that you find can squeeze God out? Yep, what are they? TV. Yeah, television, Absolutely. Again, we can look up stats on how much TV uh, uh, Christians or Americans watch. It's a lot, okay? It, it's certainly, we, certainly we, get, we oftentimes we say, I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to read my Bible. I just don't have time to do this or that. But the truth of the matter is, we are doing things that we could do otherwise, okay? We could do, we could do with our time otherwise than we do. So TV is one of those. What else? Facebook. Facebook, yeah, social media. Absolutely. All right, any other ones? What's that? Sleeping. Sleeping. That's right. That is one of them. Absolutely. Sports. That's one. Sports. Talking. Hanging out with friends. We could go on with this list. There are a lot of things in our life that are things that we could do without. Okay? And they're, 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 they're not bad things. All right? They're, they're, they're probably good things. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. There's nothing wrong with looking at your phone. There's nothing wrong with being on social media or sleeping or talking or whatever, okay? These aren't bad things, okay? But the key is, is that what you choose to give up, first off, is not something that's commanded, okay? So in other words, you can't say, I'm going to fast from loving my wife this month. You can't do that, right? You are commanded to love your wife, okay? Can't take a break from it. But it's also key that you choose to fast from something that is not sinful. All right? In other words, if it's something sinful, you don't fast from that. You throw that out of your life and never touch it again. The idea of a fast is to just take a break from something. Okay? If it's sinful, you should take, uh, it, 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 should, it should be done away with 24-7, no, no longer in your life. Okay? So, for instance, if you said, for this month, I'm going to fast from pornography. That misses the point of fasting. That should be something that should be out of your life 
365 days a year, okay? So, what you choose to fast from should be something that is, that is, is basically morally neutral. In other words, you can do it or you can not do it, okay? It's not commanded and it's not restricted, okay? A priest was coming back to his rectory one evening in the dark when he was held up by gunpoint, robbed at gunpoint, and the guy said, give me your money or your life. And as the priest reached his hand into his coat pocket, the robber saw his white collar. He said, oh, I'm sorry, I see that you're a priest. Never mind, you can go. Well, the priest was surprised by it. He, he couldn't believe the act of kindness the guy was showing him, not robbing him at that point. And so he decided to return the favor and to give the guy a piece of candy. He had a piece of candy in his pocket, and he reached out, and he got in his hand, and he handed it to the robber. He said, here, I want you to have this. And the robber replied, no, thank you, Father. I gave up candy for Lent. <laughs> so what you fast from should be something that is morally good, right? Something morally neutral. He should have given up robbing first, right? Before he ever gave up candy, all right? So it's a normal function of life. The third bite there is that phrase, primarily eating. Primarily eating. Now, while fasting has the broader definition of what we just talked about, where you can fast from many different things, multiple different things, any normal function, the primary thing that we should fast from is from food, okay? For instance, the Bible never commands or exemplifies fasting from anything else. In other words, the Bible never talks about fasting from anything else. All right. Now that itself should cause you and me to primarily think of fasting as fasting from food. Yes, we have liberty to fast from other things. But let me say this. If we never fast from food, then we've missed out on the biblical center of what fasting is supposed to be. Okay. Third, in this definition here, is the phrase to intentionally focus on God. To intentionally focus on God. In other words, when you fast, you replace. What you fasting from is replaced with God. It's getting the clutter out of your life so that you can focus on God, so that you can spend time with God. So fasting is not just stopping something, not just taking a break from something. It's replacing something with God. It's intentionally focusing on God instead of that other thing. And then finally, the last bite of that big definition is for spiritual purposes. Yes, fasting has physical benefits. Again, I'm no, I'm no doctor. You can look it up, okay? There are physical benefits to fasting, okay? But... The reason you fast when it comes to the Bible's use of the, time, of, the, of the term fasting is not for physical purposes, but for spiritual purposes. And we'll talk about those in a moment, okay? So fasting, a Christian's voluntary abstinence from a normal function, primarily eating, to intentionally focus on God for spiritual purposes. So what are the types of fasting then? If that's the definition, what are the types of fasting? And I want to share with you four, four types for you to think about. The first type is what is called a normal fast. A normal fast is when you abstain from food and drink except for water. In other words, you don't eat or drink anything 
except water. You drink water. For instance, Matthew 4.2. Matthew 4.2. And this may be reading into the text a little bit, okay? But nevertheless, I think it's helpful here to think about. Matthew 4.2. I'm talking about Jesus here with his 40 days and 40 nights where he was tempted. It says, And after fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. Now, what does it not say? It doesn't say anything about him being thirsty. Maybe you say, well, that's kind of reading into the, in, in behind it. But nevertheless, it, does, it, it explicitly says he was hungry, but it doesn't say anything about thirsty. Okay, so it could be that Jesus drank something. Okay? Luke 4.2. You know, the, 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 the synoptic passage here, again, of Jesus being tempted 40 days, 40 nights. It says, for 40 days, Luke 4.2 for 40 days being tempted by the devil, and Jesus ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Again, it doesn't say that he drank nothing. All right? Now, this is interesting. Some would argue that what Jesus did there, 40 days and 40 nights, is a supernatural fast. In other words, what Jesus did there is not humanly possible. Okay? But actually, it is humanly possible. Okay? It has been documented that humans have fasted from food, but not drink for longer than 40 days. Now, what Jesus did is an extreme fast. Don't get me wrong. 40, I would never recommend you to do that, right? I mean, it's a serious, serious undertaking there. But it is possible, humanly speaking, for a person to go 40 days and 40 nights without food as long as they are drinking something, okay? Um, but this is a normal fast, right? Food, and no food, no drink except for water. That's the most common Christian fasting, okay? The second type is what we might call a partial fast. So if the one, the first one's called a, a normal fast, all right? The, the next one would be a partial fast. A partial fast is a limitation on the diet, but not abstention from all food, all right? And so this might be one, we mentioned the, 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 the person who is diabetic, Maybe a normal fast is kind of out of bounds for them medically, all right? But maybe a partial fast is something that they could participate in, all right? So a, a limitation on the diet. For instance, the Daniel diet. That's one that, um, you know, has, has really become popular in Christian circles. Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Daniel 1, verse 12. Daniel says, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat. And water to drink. So what did they cut out of their diet? Meat and? Yeah. Meat, bread, wine. Okay. They're just going to drink water. They're just going to eat vegetables. So it's a, it's, a, it's a partial fast, all right? Again, Christians who want to partially fast, they can fast from certain foods, all right? Uh, this is the practice particularly amongst Roman Catholics, right? They, they don't eat meat during the season of Lent, okay? That's a partial fast. What's that? Except for Friday, eat fish. That's right, except for Friday, they eat fish. That's right, okay? I guess fish doesn't count as meat, okay? So, so, uh, so, so you can do that. But here's another way to think of a partial fast. A partial fast could be that a person just eats just enough to go by, right? To get by. Right? So a partial fast might be, instead of eating what I would normally eat for a meal, I eat just a little bit. All right? That could be a partial fast. So cutting a part of your, uh, of your regular food out or just to reduce the amount of food that you eat could be a partial 
fast. The third type we would call an absolute fast, all right? An absolute fast. And that is the avoidance of all food and drink, all right? Now, let me say just up front, be careful when you do anything like that, okay? Uh, if, you, if you abstain from all food and drink, it needs to be for a short period of time, okay? It needs to be for a short period of time. But we see this twice in the Bible, uh, or, 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 or several times in the Bible, but, but, but three times, actually, three times. So, for instance, with Ezra. Ezra chapter 10, verse 6. Ezra 10, verse 6. It says this. Ezra 10, verse 6 says, Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God and went to the chamber of Johanan, the son of Eliashib, where he spent the night eating, uh, neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the fa- uh, faithlessness of the exiles. Another one would be Esther 4.16. Remember the book of Esther? And the genocide that's about to come on the people, and uh, you know, Mordecai goes in there and says, Esther, you've got to do this. You're our only hope. And so before she goes in before the king, she says this in Esther 4.16. Esther 4.16, she says, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I, my young women, will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So she called for a fast, an absolute fast. No food, no drink for three days. So that's an absolute fast. And then the final one we would point to, uh, we would call a supernatural fast. A supernatural fast. In other words, this is where people do an absolute fast. No food, no drink, but they do it for a time that is longer than is naturally possible for a human being to do it. Only two instances in the Bible for this, okay? Only two instances. Moses did it and Elijah did it, okay? Moses did it and Elijah did it. Moses did it in Deuteronomy 9 9. Deuteronomy 9 9, it says this. It says, When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant that the Lord made with you, I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I ate, uh, I neither ate bread nor drank water. He ate nothing, he drank nothing for 40 days and 40 nights. If you do that, Without the supernatural ability that God gives you, you will die. All right? How long can a person go without water? How many days? 11? 11? 3? 11? Somewhere in that neighborhood. A week to two weeks at the most. All right? At the most. So that's an example of a supernatural fast. Elijah did this as well. Elijah in 1 Kings 19.8. 1 Kings 19.8, the Bible says, And Elijah arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. So he ate, and then he went running uh, to Mount Horeb, and it says that he basically says that he didn't eat or drink for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay? So those are the four kinds. Um... Just, just to, let's just talk, again, th- this is not bragging time, okay? This is not bragging time. L- we're just going to share time here for just a moment. 
because maybe you're here and, and you've never fasted before. All right? If you're here and you've fasted before, let's say that you've done a normal fast, all right? No food, nothing to drink except water. Could you just share with us what that experience was like? Anybody that's done that, would you share what that experience was like for you? Let's talk, let's, let's talk about physically. I mean physically. What was it like for you? Anybody want to share that? So it's something there that certainly you will, you, there will be physical things that you'll experience. Okay? You will get hungry. You will get headaches. Uh, that's your body saying, hey, dummy, <laughs> go eat something. Okay? All right. Yeah? What's that? You get tired. Yeah, you do. You get tired. What else you could experience? Those are, those are some of the, 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 the negative things we experience. What are some, what are some, what are some, um, Things that the good things that we experience physically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she would eat the word of God in, in other words. Yeah. 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 There you go. That's cool. Yeah. Channing. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so that's getting into the spiritual benefits. I mean, it, it, it's there, yeah. I participated in and um, we did in a partial fast for like 36 hours. And as a corporate, as a church, when we were faced with a big decision, mm -hmm. calling a pastor yeah. or purchasing land or something, and it, it just made such a huge difference as mm -hmm. far as just uh, coming together to break the fast and mm -hmm. enjoy a fellowship meal together yeah and so fasting in that case was but it's just part of the body life yeah absolutely it does it brings clarity let me say this though physically speaking you know what you do get hungry all right but but about the second day about the second day if, if you know i've done 30 hour famines before that that's uh you know, with uh, uh, World Vision International, that's one of the things that they, that they promote amongst youth ministry. Uh, you know, in youth ministries, it's called the 30-hour famine. It's basically to give, to give young folks an experience of what it feels like to be hungry. All right, and you get to teach about all sorts of good stuff in that. So we've done that a few times over the years. Um, I've, I've fasted for, um, you know, for, for over 40 hours, maybe up to 48 hours, something like that before. But eventually, on that second day, you, you don't really feel hungry anymore. You know, I mean, eventually it comes back, but it's, it's like anything, kind of once you get past that initial barrier, you're kind of like at peace. It's kind of like, I can do this, okay? So let me just say that to encourage you. And those are the physical benefits. 
Let's just testify for just a moment about the spiritual dimensions. You've heard, you've heard Shannon say that, that it was just clearer, right? He, 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 what he was saying and communicating with God was clearer, and Jackie said that there was unity and there was clarity of vision, and you could hear God's voice better. Anybody else testify to spiritually? Yeah. Anybody else share anything? Well, it, it, there, is, there, there is great benefit to it, okay? And again, think about this. One of the reasons why the Bible connects fasting with abstaining from food primarily is that instead of being hungry for food, we want to become hungry for God, okay? And that's sort of the, the picture there that I get in my mind, okay? So... Thank you. Th- thank you all for sharing. Uh, again, you know, sometimes, again, one of the reasons that, that people don't fast is they're afraid. They're not sure what it's going to be like. They think it's going to be awful, okay? But it, it's not. Don't get me wrong. There are some things that are difficult with fasting, okay? Um, and, and depending on how long you, you go and things like that, you get more and more things. But nevertheless, it's possible. There's nothing to be afraid of, I guess you should say it in that way. Relational context. Let's think about that for just a moment. The context who am I fasting with? As we're thinking about how to fast and we're thinking about uh, trying to understand fasting. You can do an individual fast. That's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 6. This is an, an individual fast. Or you can do a group fast like Jackie was talking about. Right? They were, you know, the, the whole church. You can do it as a small group. I've done it that way. You can do it as a whole church. I've done it that way. All right? uh, but also you see in the Bible, you see national fasts. Just, just imagine if President Trump were to come out and say, I'm declaring you know, February 15th, the National Day of Fasting. All right? Of course, there would be those whose heads would explode, but nevertheless. Okay. That'd be okay. <laughs> That's right. That's okay. That's right. Think about, for instance, when, uh, when, when um, Jonah, when Jonah went to Nineveh and told him what was going to happen. Remember what happened? The guy, ash, you know, sackcloth and ashes, the whole nation, Repent. Fast and sackcloth and ashes and all that stuff, okay? That's a, that's a picture of a national fast. So you can do it individually. You can do it as a group, okay? Finally, let's think about this as we think about what is fasting. Let's think about the frequency or, or maybe a better word for this is, is sort of what brings you to fasting, okay? And there are two kinds to think about here. One, we would say is scheduled, right? Scheduled. The other one would be occasional. You know, Danny, Danny said earlier when I said, what is today? And, uh, and Danny, what did you say the answer was? Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. Today is Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is beginning, in church tradition, a scheduled fast. Um, this has been going on. The season of Lent has been going on, uh, as, I've, as I've looked at it, all the way back to the earliest days of Christianity, all the way back to the patristic era. Oftentimes we think about Lent as being a Roman Catholic tradition, but it is not. It precedes Romanism. It precedes popery, okay? So it's an ancient Christian tradition. It's kind of like this as, as, I, as I've looked at it and tried to think about it. As Advent is to Christmas, Lent is to Easter, you know? And so today is Ash Wednesday, and so you'll see people... 
uh, maybe at work today, or, or, or you'll see people you know, with, with, with this gray stuff on their forehead in some sort of shape, maybe, or whatever. I saw, I saw a meme today of the different shapes and what, what it meant and all that, so it was, it was kind of funny. But, but anyway, basically, that, that again is, is, like one of them was a real vague, and it was like running out of toner or something like that, you know. <laughs> but, but the ashes, again, are, to, are to, to represent sackcloth and ashes, right? That, that grief that our Savior had to die for our sins, right? That, that's what that symbolizes there. Um, and so, so again, Lent, we, we as, as evangelicals, or maybe as Christians as a whole, in, in America, we've kind of taken Lent and separated it from abstaining from food, okay? Now remember, in Roman Catholic tradition, what precedes Ash Wednesday, Fat Tuesday. In other words, eat all you want, right? So again, that, that shows me that that should clue us in on that. Lent primarily has to do with a plan to fast from food, okay? And it does. But again, people say, what are you giving up for Lent? Well, I'm giving up chocolate for Lent, or I'm giving up TV for Lent, or, or whatever else, okay? Again, you're free to practice Lent. You're free not to. It's not commanded. It is a, it is a human tradition, all right, but it's a good tradition. It's, it's something that I, I would encourage, and my wife has really challenged me, you know, as far as uh, as far as thinking on this part right here. And so, um, it's something that 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 I'm going to practice this year, thinking about and and try to figure out a way to fast from food, not not for 40 days, okay, but nevertheless uh, to, to to fast from food at some point during the week, during the season of Lent. Um, so those are scheduled fasts. The other one to think about here is occasional. In other words, man, something has happened in my life. Either, either my family is being attacked spiritually or, or I'm needing direction. I don't know which way to go. There's a crisis or whatever. There's something that's happened in my life, and I need direction from God, and I need to hear Him clearly, all right? So there's an occasion in life that's brought you to that. Quickly tonight, I know we're running short on time here. The preacher got long-winded. I'm sorry for that. How should we fast? How should we fast? Well... Let's go back here to our text. It says this, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your anointing may not be seen by others, or I'm sorry, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but that your Father who is in secret and your Father who is in secret will reward you. So three hows tonight. First off, how should we fast? We should fast regularly. I've said this all along with every, with all three of these, okay? It's not if you give to the needy, it's when you give to the needy. It's not if you pray, it's when you pray. And here, it's not if you fast, it's when you fast. Again, there is no God-commanded frequency for how often, okay? Now, it is interesting in history. Um, oh, uh, uh, John Wesley, you know, one of the great Christian leaders in history, he would not ordain a man to the ministry if that man did not fast at least twice a week. Oh, yeah. Now, there's no biblical warrant for that, right? He, he was going above and beyond the Bible in that. But nevertheless, he saw fasting as that important, okay? If you're going to be a man of God who leads the people of God, he believed you needed to fast. 
at least twice a week. But there is no biblical frequency for it other than you should fast. It should be a part of who you are. Fasting, let's put it this way, fasting is a spiritual discipline. All right, and just like physical disciplines, you got to work that muscle. And it'll be really hard at first, but as you grow in it, God will bless that and you'll strengthen in it. Secondly, how should we fast? We should fast secretly. Secretly. Now here, like the hypocrites, they were doing the right thing for the wrong reasons, okay? And here, they were doing it with gloom and grimacing, okay? I mean, they'd walk around the street and, you know, like, like Heather said, you get tired when you fast and they, you can see them just stumbling, you know, trying to get by and their face all contorted up and they didn't comb their hair that day or wash, they got all that stink going, you know, and they didn't even wash themselves or anything. They wanted everybody to know that they are suffering for God, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. They wanted to show how far they were going for God, okay? And Jesus says, what? They've got their reward. That was no spiritual good because they wanted physical good. They wanted someone to say, that dude is spiritual. Look at him. Look how spiritual he is. He must really love God. We should fast secretly. If we were here together and we didn't plan to fast together, we should not be able to tell that you're fasting. All right? You should be... In, in fact, you should go above and beyond to make sure that you look normal. Now, you ain't got to put on your, you know, your dancing gown or anything like that when you fast, okay? <laughs> but you should look normal. You should look like you would on any other day. All right? So you should fast secretly. But finally, how should we fast? We should fast purposely. We should fast purposely. So let me just, well, let me do this. Let me just turn out to you all here in the last few minutes. We just got a, a few, just a minute or so together. What are some reasons, what are some purposes that you think a Christian should, should fast for? A decision. A decision. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you, if it's a, if it's a big decision or it's a decision that you're not sure of, right? You just don't really know which way to go. Fasting is one of those things that can help you. Fasting and prayer go hand in hand, okay? All right? What else? What are some other reasons? Okay, absolutely. Yeah, praying for protection. What else would you guys say? Besetting sin. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, besetting sin. You're getting serious about that sin. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna call on the power of God. To help you get rid of that. Anything else you'd say? Spiritual warfare in your house. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Whatever you're burdened for, right? I mean, if you're burdened for something, such as our nation, absolutely. Well, Donald Whitney has a, has a, has a, has a good list. So I'll just read the list to you. We should fast purposefully, all right? And here are the ones that he mentions. To strengthen prayer, to seek God's guidance, to express grief, to seek deliverance or protection, to express repentance and return to God, to humble yourself before God, to express concern for the work of God, to minister to the needs of others, to overcome temptation and to dedicate yourself to God, and finally to express love and worship to God. That's probably not an exhaustive list, but those are plenty of examples for you and me to think about. Are any of these things 
concerns in our life. If they are, then fasting is a discipline, a tool that God has given you. Fasting coupled with prayer is a discipline that God has given you to hear God better, to experience God more. All right. Here's my final prayer. May our hunger for God grow. Hi there, this is Pastor Ben. I have something really important to ask you, but first, I want to say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live, and he stood condemned on the cross, dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that he is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you. And I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us, and I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.